Amen. Now you can sit. Okay, now stand up. No, I'm just kidding. Although many of us have had church experiences like that, right? Stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down. Hey, whether we're standing or sitting, whether we're at home, whether we're at work, we can celebrate that God is with us and we worship God on this journey of faith that we call our walk with Jesus. As we've been going through our series called Faith in Action here at Faith Covenant Church, we've been talking about how on this spiritual journey of our lives, God often brings us to these crossroads moments, these decision points where we have to choose whether we are going to trust in God, whether we're going to follow him, or whether we're going to shrink back in fear because what he's asking us to do might be something we're not really prepared for, something we're scared of, something we don't think is truly possible. But it's in these crossroad moments where when we say yes to God that we discover the experience of God in our lives in a whole new way that maybe we hadn't even realized was possible before. God shows up through his presence and his power in a way that makes us know beyond the shadow of a doubt that he is real. God shows up in a way that gives us confidence that we can handle whatever he's leading us to pursue or to experience in our lives because his power is at work in us. And these experiences give us a greater sense of meaning and purpose and fulfillment in this spiritual journey of life. Those are the times when God calls us to demonstrate our faith in action. As we've been following the story of the Exodus for the people of Israel, the crossroad moment had come. It was time for them to to cross the Jordan River into the promised land. And they made the choice to say yes to God, to follow God where he was leading. They crossed the river on dry ground, and God asked them to pick up stones from the bottom of the river and and set them up as an altar, as a reminder that it wasn't their own strength that allowed them to pursue God's call in their life, but it was God's strength that did it for them. It was a gift that they had to choose to receive, and we have been celebrating that it's the same for us. That is the good news message of Jesus. That the call to follow God as a Christian, the call to be a disciple of Jesus, isn't because of how good we are, but because of how good God is. And our choice to say yes to God is is what opens the door to his power to be at work in our life so we too can experience his power as a gift that leads us to experience the victory in our lives. But crossing the river wasn't the end of their challenges, was it? Saying yes to God doesn't mean that that everything from here forward is going to be easy. Uh, As we uh, agree to follow God, as we say yes to Jesus, we can see in the story of the people of Israel and Joshua, who said to Joshua, whatever you command us, we will do. Wherever you send us, we will go. And they tied their hope to the red rope faith in God, like we do to the red rope faith in Jesus Christ. Now they're called to face their first battle, the battle of Jericho. A fortified city towering on the plains with successive stone walls encircling the city. Uh, Scholars suggest that the outer wall was seven feet thick and 16 feet high. And then up the hill, there was another wall that was uh, eight feet high. And all told, it was probably a structure of about 40 feet, an an imposing structure if you're a soldier thinking, I've got to go in and try and take that city, right? Right? The warriors of Israel had never faced a challenge like this before. They had been fighting battles out in the desert, wandering through the wilderness with these tribal skirmishes. They'd never had to attempt to take a fortified city before. 
But sometimes, if we are honest, we recognize that we have to face battles in our own lives as well, don't we? In fact, this morning, you might be facing a challenge that is unlike anything you've ever had to face before. It might be something that came out of the blue and was a surprise to you, or it might be something that you've been struggling with for a long period of time, and you just can't find victory. A Jericho sits between you and your experience of the promised land life that God has for you. Here at Faith Covenant Church, in, in many ways, you might say that, that we are embarking upon the biggest battle of our life together, at least in this season of our life together so far. We are in a battle for, for the health and the future of Faith Covenant Church in terms of God's mission and his ministry for us in this place. As we seek to follow God and ask, what does it mean for us to be uh, both healthy and missional, to be pursuing Christ in our own lives together, but also pursuing Christ's priorities in the world? We know that it won't be easy and that we need to put our faith in God alone. But the story of the Exodus and the story of the Battle of Jericho this morning, I hope, will encourage us and remind us that whether we're facing battles individually or together as a faith community, Josh, like Joshua and the people of Israel, we don't have to face our Jericho alone. Let's turn to Joshua chapter 5. The story is really in chapters 5 and 6, but we're just going to pick it up in uh, verse 13 of chapter 5 and read into the beginning of chapter 6. In verse 13, it says, Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have come now. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out. And no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout, Then the wall of the city will collapse, and the army will go up, everyone straight in. Now, if we were to read on through the rest of chapter 6, we would know that Joshua went and commanded the armies of the Lord to do just that. And and for seven days, they, they had this parade around the city of Jericho with trumpets, but nobody could say anything. I mean, it must have been a really odd sight, right? Can you imagine being a Canaanite in the city of Jericho, watching this go on day after day? What in the world are these people doing? They're crazy. In fact, the first couple days, they were probably uh, hurling taunts and shouting, you know, oh, you guys are idiots. You're crazy. What are you doing? But after day, after day, pretty soon they're going, oh my goodness, what is going on here? Because they had heard the stories of how God had dried up the Red Sea and had won battles for them in the wilderness and how God had parted the waters of the Jordan River, which is right next door, and they'd been camping outside. And now here they are marching around and around and around. Max Lucado in his book, Glory Days, tells us, here's what you need to know about Jericho. 
The inhabitants were ferocious and barbaric. They withstood all sieges and repelled all invaders. They were guilty of immoral behavior and even practiced child sacrifice in their religious life. Here's what you need to know about Joshua. He didn't bring down the walls. God did it for them. And God will do that for you. See, God asked them to be faithful and to be persistent and to keep marching and marching. And on the last day when the trumpet sounded after seven times around, a loud shout and the walls came crumbling down. They didn't lift a finger. And yet God gave them the victory. See, I have given Jericho into your hand. It's king and the mighty men of valor. God didn't say to Joshua, hey, go take the city. He said, I have given you this city. Receive it as a gift. And God says to you and me this morning, I want you to recognize that what I am offering you, you have to receive as a gift. To say yes to God doesn't mean that you have to pull yourself up by your spiritual bootstraps and become a perfect person and change your life in your own strength. It means that you have to say yes to the power of wor- and work of God's spirit in your life so that you can receive the victory through his strength for you. How do we do this? Well, first, I'd like to suggest as we look at the story of Joshua, Joshua is looking up at this city, and as he's looking up, he sees a messenger from God. This commander with the sword drawn indicates that he's a, he's a military commander and, and that he has come as the uh, commander of God's armies to talk with Joshua. So who was this messenger? Was he an angel, a messenger of the Lord? Well, that's a possibility. And yet in other stories where uh, people meet angels and they try and worship them, the angels go, no, 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 don't do that. (laughs) Only God is to be worshiped. And so here we we, we have Joshua bowing on his knees before uh, this messenger of God. In fact, in, in that moment, he tells Joshua to remove his sandals because the place where he's standing is holy ground reminding us of that same burning bush experience that Moses had, right? In the presence of God, the holiness of God was was present, and and God said, take off your sandals because the place that you're standing is holy ground. Like Moses in the burning bush, Joshua is in the direct presence of God himself, God incarnate. Max Lucado suggests that to the human eye, there are two armies, the Canaanites and the Israelites, but actually there was a third unseen army. The whole host of heaven was round about, prepared to do battle for God's people. Joshua, you have God's commander and God's armies with you. You have nothing to be afraid of. See, that's the word that Joshua needed as, as a leader and as a commander and, 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 and as a guy who was leading his people to the biggest challenge of their life. He needed a reminder that God was with him, that God was present, and that there was a power available that maybe he wasn't even aware of. And maybe that's what, what you need to hear this morning. Maybe that's what we need to be reminded of as a church, that as we move forward in our lives, as you face your Jericho battles, you are not alone, and that there are spiritual powers and forces available that God has marshaled on your behalf that maybe you aren't even aware of. And that if you lift your eyes to your commander, as we see in this military commander of the hosts of heaven, a Christ figure, a forerunner of Jesus, who said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go. We are reminded as believers that we have the commander of the host of heaven on our side. 
He is willing to come alongside and to fight your battles for you so that you can receive the victory as a gift from him. We need to know that God is with us. We need to know that God is for us, that we are never alone. Even in our darkest hour and with our deepest questions, even sometimes even doubting whether God is there, God never leaves us or forsakes us, he promises. Jesus is our commander, and he is with us here this morning. He is with you now. He is with you every moment of every day, and he commands the host of heaven to do battle on our behalf. And that leads us to the second thing I'd like for us to take away from this story today is to recognize the battle of Jericho is a spiritual battle, right? If you think about it, I mean, the warriors of Israel didn't raise a knife, a sword. They didn't take a hammer to stone. They walked around at God's command and God brought the walls down and brought them the victory. The people are commanded to march around the city once each day for seven days, and on the seventh day to go around the city seven times. Seven priests ahead of the Ark of the Covenant are to blow seven ram's horn trumpets and then circle the city seven times and then give a shout and the walls fall. See, scholars suggest that there's a distinctly religious connotation to all these sevens in the story. We know that the number seven is God's number, right? It's the number of wholeness. It's the number of completion. Religious rites back in that day were often conducted for seven days to acknowledge that it was a a holy rite that they were performing before God. All of this is indicating that the battle for Jericho is a spiritual battle. It's God's battle, and he gives them the victory. How many times do we pursue the Jericho battles in our lives and forget to think about the reality that maybe it's a spiritual battle that we're facing? We focus so much on, on the circumstances of our life and what we can do in our own strength, and all the while forgetting the possibility that God wants us to do battle spiritually and not physically. We too need to recognize that we are in a spiritual battle as well. The Apostle Paul reminds us in Ephesians 6, chapter 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 5, he says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, let me just pause here, and and I want to say just for me personally, I think it's really important that as we talk about spiritual warfare and spiritual battles, we we can run the risk of over-spiritualizing things. You know, the devil's around every corner, and every little negative thing happens. It's his fault, and and we blame everything on evil and Satan, and and, and that, that can go too far. But at the same time, we have to recognize that the Bible teaches us that we also can't ignore the fact that this spiritual battle is real. And if for fear of of wanting to be thought of as a kook or as a a crazy, you know, religious person, we can miss the fact that God says we are in a spiritual battle for the souls of, of, of mankind. 
and that the the enemy is real, and there are evil forces at work in this world. This is a a dark world that is filled with spiritual forces, and if you're not willing to to wake up and pay attention to the battle that's raging around you, you could very quickly become a casualty of this war. Now, that being said, he also says we don't have to be afraid, right? Because the war, just like Jericho, was already won. The Bible tells us that that when Christ gave his life on the cross for you and for me, he defeated the powers of darkness. He overthrew the kings and the powers of this world so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. Amen? And so because that Lord is our king, because that Lord is our commander, we don't have to be afraid of the enemy. We have to be willing to engage the enemy. But we have to engage the enemy, not with worldly weapons of warfare, but with the spiritual weapons that God has given us. Just as Jericho was a stronghold in Canaan, we have to recognize that there are strongholds in our lives as well. Paul is telling us that a stronghold is any conviction or an outlook or a thought or a perspective that attempts to interfere with God's truth in our lives. Uh, Lucato calls it a false premise that denies God's promise. I like that. A stronghold in our life is a false premise that denies God's promise. And, and, and the sad thing is, is too often we can allow our thinking and our emotional lives to get twisted by, by this world and allows us to have false premises about where God is and, and miss the point that he is available to help as no one else can. It attempts to magnify the problem and minimize God's ability to solve it. And, and, and really the question for each one of us as we look at this story of the battle of Jericho is we have to be honest with ourselves before God. Do you have a stronghold in your life this morning that, that, that can only be removed by the spiritual power of God at work in you? And, and, and maybe the second more important question is, if you do have a stronghold, and, and most of us, if we're honest, probably have at least one, right? Do you want God to heal it? Do you want God to overcome it? Do you want God to transform your life in the way that he is inviting us to see in the story of Jericho that only God can do? Because I think too often we say, yes, yes, God, but then we cling to those things in our lives and we say, no, no, God, I just, I really want to keep it. But see, what God is telling us and what we learn from, from the battle of Jericho is that these strongholds are not things that we can overcome in our own strength. But if we're willing to allow God to have sway in our lives, if we're willing to allow the power of God to work in our lives, he says, you can have victory over this area in your life as a gift for me. We use the weapons at our disposal for this spiritual battle. We, we come to worship with God's people where, where we come on holy ground because God's presence is here. And we experience the faith that comes from knowing that God is real and he's at work in our lives. We find God in the scripture and we learn about the truth of God's word that overcomes these false premises that interrupt God's promises. We engage in prayer, which is not a ritual exercise of saying the right words to try and manipulate God to do what we want him to do. It's, a, it's an open-door communication to, to ask God for what we need, but also to hear from God about what he wants us to know as well. As we do this, we keep walking 
and we keep walking. And, and it might feel like we're circling the city over and over again, and we're not getting anywhere. But God says, have faith, trust in me. And when the trumpet sounds, when you hear the blast, then shout, and the walls will come down. See, when we begin to live in victory, when we begin to experience the promised land life, then our testimony becomes the very story that we tell others that gives them hope and that opens the door to the possibility that they too might hear the good news of Jesus. See, we not only see God bring down the strongholds in our own lives, but we will begin to see him bring down the barriers that are in place to prevent us from reaching the world for Christ. In Ephesians 2, 13 and 14, Paul says, But now in Christ, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. You see, God is calling us as Christians to experience victory, to live in the freedom that comes through allowing the power of Christ to work in our lives, to bring restoration to our marriages to bring healing to our families, to allow our lives to reflect the character and the goodness of God so that we have something to offer the world around us that is desperately in need of good news in this dark world. God is calling us to be a part of tearing down the dividing walls so that those far away from God can be brought near. See, God wants us to be a part of bringing down the barriers of of gender and race and class and to overcome the social Jerichos in our world of inequality and separation and violence and abuse and killing, which we've seen way too much of in our recent days, haven't we? It's because we are in a spiritual battle and the only answer is a spiritual answer. And it's Jesus Christ. He is the answer for the needs of our world. When we live in victory, the walls come down. They come down in our lives. And the dividing walls that keep others from experiencing the good news of God in their lives begin to crumble as well. God is calling us, Faith Covenant Church, to live in victory, to experience the freedom that that can come when we allow God to have sway in our lives. God is calling us to tear down the dividing wall between our relationship with him and in our relationships with one another, not by our own strength, but how does Paul say? By the blood of Christ. By the blood of Christ. When we look to Christ, when we see his cross, we are reminded that, that in order to live... We need to die to ourselves. But if we're willing to die to ourselves, then God says we can experience a whole new rebirth, a whole new resurrection experience of life, and we come alive to God's spirit, and we experience life in a whole new way. Victory comes through the precious blood of Christ. For now, our job is to keep marching on. And it may seem that it's taking a long time, but we also know that one day in the end, the last trumpet will sound, right? The last trumpet will sound and God will descend through his son, Jesus Christ will return and the new heavenly Jerusalem will come and we will be living together in victory forever. And it's that hope, it's that faith that gives us the courage to open our hearts to that possibility now. We cannot claim victory in these areas of our lives in our strength alone, but we can begin to experience them when we open ourselves to say yes to God and allow his victory to be received as a gift in our lives. Would you pray with me? 